those requests. Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and in this show I talk with all kinds of creative people to find out how to write better music. In today's episode, I interview Jessica Scherer and Peter Lund of the band Stripes on Stripes. They share their process in creating their upcoming magical concept album called The Circle, and they explain how coming up with a fun concept can get you out of a songwriting drought. So like when you're happily married for like several years, it's like, what do you write about? So... Coming up with this a silly concept really let me kind of like get out of my head and write as my character. So that, and then at, once we did that, like we wrote 10 songs. Also, in this episode, you'll get to hear about Texas's best jingle and about Peter circuit bending a Teletubby. All that and more coming up. First, I have one last plea for support on Kickstarter. There's only one week left to fund the final season of Composer Quest, which will be my podcasting expedition around the U.S., Australia, and Taiwan. It's going to be an awesome adventure, and I'm really excited to bring you these fun new episodes. We've currently raised just over $3,200 out of the $5,000 target, and if you're able to help out in these final days, I'd really appreciate it. I've just added a new reward tier, too, Lessons with Charlie. If you pick this reward, you'll get one-on-one sessions with me to learn about a topic of your choice, like composing, production, or podcasting. There are also a bunch of other fun rewards, so check out the campaign at composerquest.com slash kickstarter. And thanks again to those of you who've already been contributing, either through Kickstarter or Patreon. By making this podcast happen, you're helping inspire a ton of composers out there. Like Adam, who recently wrote in saying... I absolutely love the podcast, and I will be sad to see it go. I'm a British musician based in Bogota, and I just recommended it to a Welsh friend in Guadalajara. Truly global. So again, if you want to help make this final season of the podcast happen, visit composerquest.com kickstarter. Thanks. And I hope to have good news for you all in next week's episode, which is number 150. Stick around till the end of this episode for another edition of Charlie's Music Production Lessons. And now, on to my talk with Jess Scherer and Peter Lund. Jess and Peter. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Composer Quest. We're glad to be here. <laughs> in your own studio. Yeah. Yeah. So I have in my hand right now... Could you tell me what this piece of paper is? Uh, it's been described as a vision board uh, for our new concept album that we're making. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of things in here, like, it's like a... Spoiler! Chart. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Uh-oh. No, I was kidding, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the characters enter a land rich with magic. Um, <laughs> beautiful green island teeming with magic. Le- okay, I did when, not write this vision board. Well, this was just, just wrote the vision board. I did not write it. <laughs> well, regardless, this is pretty awesome. So is this going to be, this album, is it going to be a concept album? Yeah. I, I feel like there's like soft concept albums and then hard concept albums. And I think this is somewhere in between those two. Sure. I don't know. So if, not like a super specific story that every song is. Yeah. So like, I guess like when I think of those two, I think of like a really hard concept album is like um, a grand don't come for free. Oh yeah. You know, from the streets. Yeah. And it's like, a, that's great. It's a linear story, like all the way through. And then a really kind of like soft concept album is boys and girls in America mm. by hold steady. This is what I've been told. It could be wrong. I don't know. But it's he got an apartment and just like wrote all these words down in his like Minneapolis apartment. And then he like kind of like wrote the album like that. So that was the concept for that album. I don't think it was like. Hmm. There's maybe kind of a loose story. I feel like the same characters keep coming yeah, in the yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's not like there's any like beginning, middle, and end or something like that. Hmm. It's more just of like a feeling, I guess, huh? Yeah. So ours obviously has like a story, but it's not as laid out as a Grand Don't Come For Free or whatever other sure. concept album you want to... So when you guys are singing on the album, are you the characters? Um, I think every song is, yeah, we're the characters. So for the intro song is a narrator. Yes. And then the rest of the songs are all from the character standpoints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what's going on in the story? Um, so it's about a two wizards and they're male and female only because we're a male and female singer mm-hmm. they show up to a place like an island that's really really lush and beautiful and then they accidentally destroy it <laughs> <laughs> and then they feel really bad about it and then they realize that it's gonna like come back i guess yeah Can it, you explain it better sure yeah so they feel super terrible that they basically went mad with magic power i guess <laughs> Um, but this is this is my favorite part of the story is that like um, they sort of want to fix it but they don't really know what to do but then the world just comes back on its own and I don't know I think it's kind of beautiful and just that like you know what you did this terrible terrible thing but you are so insignificant even though you're so powerful that it doesn't even matter the world is going to come back again and yeah oh that's cool I mean yeah I feel like concept albums is Maybe the stories are hard to describe completely because you know that like more than half the half of them are going to be the feeling that comes from the sure. music, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. From your. But yeah, my concept album. Yeah. <laughs> we stopped coming up with the story. It was and writing like the story for it, it's really tough. I think for concept albums. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and for this album, like we kind of just wrote the songs. And we didn't really have a full idea of the story until we pretty much wrote everything. So it's definitely like open for interpretation. Because even we like didn't quite fully know what the story was until we were like done writing the songs. Yeah, I th- I'd agree with that. That they kind of, we wrote them and then it, it seemed like they had things in common and that there was kind of a, kind of a story there. And then we wrote some other songs around that to connect them together. Cool. 
did you start dating first or did you start making music together first or was it like the same time we started making music yeah, together first. we were making music yeah first. we were in a band first okay what was your process like back then our process back then was we each wrote our own songs and then the other person just played along yep and it was like everything we wrote we're like yep we're playing it live you know there was no like no like man is this song good enough for us to play we're like any song that was written we're like yep we're playing it on the stage that's right oh that's, that's um, awesome though yeah test, test him out in front of people and so, maybe some fail or i don't know yeah well sometimes like or like you play it and it's just like you know you pour your energy into the song and it's just not doesn't go anywhere. It's just so exhausting. And when you're a new band, too, and if you want to play shows and you want to play original yeah. music, of course you're going to put everything out there because yeah, you want to put out a, your... Yeah, you don't have catalog. A, yeah, you don't have a deep set list yet. Yeah. I do remember that with my old band. Like, of course, like, every song we had was so precious. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's great, though, at the beginning. like I think that's pretty common. Yeah. And our songwriting process now is really really different than it was before now i feel like how it usually goes is i'll like give the bulk of the creative work and then you ref this is just i mean yeah chime if you disagree but then you come along and like refine it musically yeah we'll do that like in starting just even with like chords or something like that and then maybe change the um the voicing or maybe just even like a chord or two and you know just to like make it better but that's and that's very collaborative we're usually both in the same room for things like that and then sometimes we write something that's where we get the bulk of it right away and, and maybe a lot of that was peter but then he's just like okay we need to write lyrics oh, and so and i'll just go and i'll i'll write like four like mediocre verses like you know just, Man, just to write. So, sometimes you just have to write you know you just can't think of things so i'm like All no right. that's good though that's good because yeah because i can't like write like really bad <laughs> lyrics <laughs> not like not like not like i couldn't like do it but i can't even like like if i say it in my brain like i'll think about them but i can't even like say them out loud like <laughs> So I need, like, you to, like, Jess will just write, like, six, and, like, some of them are, like, so Corny. bad. yeah. But, like, out of all the six, they'll be, like... There's, there's... Bits and pieces of really each Really beautiful one. things in there, and then, right. those, then those start the brainstorming, you know? And then, yeah. like, he'll come back with something, and I'll counter with something. And you just need to get the ball rolling, you know? Yeah, it is so Sometimes. necessary, and you need to have and, somebody who can just, like... And I've just, shoot out lyrics. Yeah. That's good. I've just gotten over it. Like, you know, and sometimes there are, it's like, I have the black where I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of bad. I'm like, no, you, I'm writing it Sometimes you can't even I'm finish right. saying it without laughing. Like, you, like, laugh while you're singing it. <laughs> yeah, when we're going through them, it's true. <laughs> but it's really important. That's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done both sides. Like, I'm definitely usually more like you, Peter, when I have like a serious song that i'm trying to write yeah but then like i'll write a stupid corny song and it's like oh this is so easy and oh fast. yeah sure. <laughs> like we, i've talked about this with mitchell too and yeah, we both yeah, are yeah, like too. oh it's i we just kind of want to just write stupid corny songs because they're just like so easy to churn out and and then i feel like you can also make really fun melodies that you don't have to think too hard about it and they just turn out as good melodies. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like how many songs are like super cheesy and corny that 
everybody loves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's like the thing, right? You write your song that you wrote in like two seconds, and everybody's like, oh, play that one. <laughs> That's the best one. You're like, stop. I don't want to play this song no more. <laughs> you know? When you're younger, it's so much easier to like produce like emotionally meaningful work. Yeah. Because you just have like a lot of angst. I don't know what else to call it. Sure. Or just like, I feel like emotional ups and downs, right? When you're in high school and college, there's, uh, everything's more dramatic. I feel mm, like, you know, yeah. you, you get to your late twenties and early thirties and yeah, let's be real here. Great. Early thirties. Yeah. So yeah. like when you're happily married for like several years, it's like, yeah. what do you write about? So we actually had a point when we were like, man, what are we going to write about? What are you going to write about? And yeah. then coming up with just a silly concept really let me kind of like get out of my head and write as my character so that and then at, once we did that like we wrote 10 songs just yeah right through once it we had an instead idea. of spending like one like three mm. months on one song or whatever for sure that's cool yeah because I, I feel like i'm also kind of in the same boat like yeah i just turned 30 uh, but yeah also just like what do you write what about? What do I write about? I'm not really mad about anything or <laughs> super depressed about anything or, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been so fun because, like, you know, I read a lot of books and I'm like, oh, I want to I want to write a book or something, but I'm not a writer like that. Yeah. So this is kind of a way to... And then you, then the emotions that you get to express, like, through other people, it's, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, one of my favorite songs of yours... Is Austin, Texas, uh, your hit single from like hit a, single, our a only few country years song. ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Telling me to ride Each day brings something new And I want to spend them all with you Hope you always will be by my side I'll take your hand It's a new adventure Austin, Texas Where we can start our life together Well, you guys moved to Austin. I don't think I really talked to you guys too much oh, about yeah. like moving down there and Austin was really cool. It was a really cool place to be. There was great like live music experiences as a as an audience member. Yeah, as an audience member for I'd, sure. I'd say breaking in as like musicians. Like we did a lot oh. of open mics and we never Any got musicians out there wanting to play music do not move to Austin. I'm telling you straight <laughs> now. It's just really oversaturated uh, yeah, as far tough. as that goes. Huh. Um, and just a quick side note, as being a music teacher and a band teacher, it was awesome because bands in Texas are amazing. Hmm. So that was an awesome experience in, in that respect. So. Hmm. so is it just like there's no other music hubs in Texas or necessarily? No, it's not that at all. Like, I think you'd have a lot better luck in Dallas, San Antonio, or Houston. But, you know, you go to an open mic here or in the cities, whatever, you just play. There it was like... A mad rush to sign up for an open mic for like somebody's house that they sold wine out of yeah. and it's called house wine yes it was crazy yeah it was it was just crazy and huh 
and I feel like we went to quite a few open mics there, and the way that they structured it was just like, you play three songs, and then the next person goes. So I feel like a lot of open mics, they'll be more likely to do like time slots or things like that, a little bit more organized. And so it's like you'd go, and you might be like the fourth or fifth person signed up, and you'd end up hanging out there for like an hour before you play, because it's just like everybody's taking like huh. playing like the all the stairway to heavens that they know you know <laughs> just like to have more time on stage um, and i suppose you don't have time to like set up your electronics and stuff yeah oh for us for sure so i would way rather live in a place where there's like four bands yeah you as know? far as being like a musician goes yeah like here in st cloud is a lot more fun i love the music scene in st cloud we've talked about that that we just, it's really, like, the size is really nice, um, and it's really, like, a community. Like, everybody goes to each other's shows, everybody's friends. So it's not, yeah, it's not, like, a great place to, like, break out. No. Be a sure. band, but if you want to play and have people yeah. show up, it's really fun. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, it is how, cool. How do you think, like, I'm sure a lot of listeners are in other towns that are maybe the size of St. Cloud, mm-hmm. but, like... What are some things that you've noticed that people do here versus like other si- towns of that size maybe that help the indie scene here? Um, I guess I don't I can't speak to other towns, but we could totally speak to what goes on here in St. Cloud. Um, I don't know, there's just some people that are involved. Like I'd say like Mark Pawlowski, you know, just like there's you just end up with like a couple people who just are pillars of the community. Yeah, pillars of the community. And so it's like I don't think he gets paid for anything necessarily, but he's been like booking like the venues that are most friendly to musicians, you know, that like will always pay you something that will um, the goal of going to the venue is to listen to music, not to like eat and listen to music or, (laughs) you know, it's about music. And yeah, Yeah, I think. St. Cloud's about, I don't know, around 100,000, give or take. So if you live in an area like that, you can be that guy. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You can be the guy that just books shows and gets sound guys going in. In a bigger city, it'd be harder, but, you know, you, you can be a big fish in a small city. Mm-hmm. And be in charge of that. He wants to start Red Hoodie red hoodie Records or whatever. Oh, does he? That's so he cool. always wears this red hoodie, so that you know, it's like almost oh, part of his nice. brand now, so you it's... can see him wearing this, like, bright red hoodie. Huh. That's so. awesome. Actually, on my drive up, I was listening to an interview with Steve Albini, who produced, like, Nirvana and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting hearing him talk about, like, the punk scene, because that was maybe kind of the start where people decided that they were going to just make their own record labels, because mm-hmm. they realized, like, hey, we're all kind of doing stuff for each other here, and, like, it was just a small step from, like, being able to make art for a cd cover to like suddenly it's like well i could just release my friend's albums as a record label and yeah help, help each other out that way so you know i i know a lot of people who um why well, not a lot but i have a couple of friends who move into like new york and all that sort of stuff and now i feel like because of the internet if you've got good music you can be famous from anywhere. Have you ever kiara or kiara have you ever heard of her Mm-mm. oh man yeah she's like lives in the middle of illinois just in a small town and works at like a hardware store. Yeah, and she just releases one song on SoundCloud and people are just freaking out about it obsessed and huh. she's going to like start touring and stuff like that. So cool. I don't think you need to move to New York or LA to make it in the music business. Mhm. 
You just have to write good songs. You just got to write good songs. <laughs> I, I, I that's what nobody so. wants to hear, right? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten my break yet. Yeah. But I, I get it to the right people, too, or the right places. Sure. I think that that helps a lot. If you get it to, like, a certain blogger or, mm-hmm. I don't know, somewhere where you can get more exposure. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Now my question is, how do you write good songs? And go. <laughs> listen, listen to good music. Yeah, for sure. Listen to good music. Trust, trust yourself, mm-hmm. I think. And I think you've got to, well, not necessarily. I was going to say you've got to write what you, no, I will go with that. You've got to write what you want to write. Absolutely. Um, you know, not to like, oh, this is the style I do and I'm just going to get stuck with it. So, you know, re- your style can change over time. I think that that helps too, is Absolutely. just keeping it fresh for yourself. Yeah. Because like seeing you guys over the years, I feel like your style has changed a, a lot too. It has. And like. Your live show was really fun because I hadn't seen you guys like do the electronic side as much as I remember in college. You guys were mostly doing like acoustic stuff, guitar and piano. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of it's like that's what we had to it's do music true. with. So. Yeah. <laughs> now I got a job. I can well, afford then, the nice stuff. Yeah, but you also had your circuit bent Furby. <laughs> that got so. lost. That got lost. No. I remember the exact show it got lost at. It was at Tyler Thole's. CD release. <laughs> I got on stage, plugged it into the board. Like, didn't ask him. I plugged it into the board. No, this is my Teletubby, my circuit bent Teletubby. Oh, Teletubby. Yeah, not Furby. I had the Furby. Well, I had it. Oh, but, you also have a Furby? Yeah, I do. We yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might have gone south. So I had the circuit yeah. bent Teletubby, and I didn't ask Tyler. You know, Tyler's very like. I was playing it on stage, and then after that, I don't know, he probably, like, destroyed it or something. <laughs> and then it was just gone after that. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to have to ask him about that. Tyler, I'm calling him you back out on right the podcast. now. I'm oh. calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, like, those things, the circuit bent Teletubby and Furby, those were, like, an omen of things to come. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I could yeah. afford, right? Yeah. $20. Not so even people 20. who don't know what circuit bending is... Uh, because not everyone's... Don't worry about it. ...into that. <laughs> oh, no. Well, what is it? What, tell me. Okay. It's like you just take toys, and then you take the circuits, and then you make connections on the circuit board that weren't there previously, and then it just makes crazy glitches and crazy sounds. Like, the speak and spell is like the 101 circuit bend. <laughs> So a lot of those people that did that ended up making guitar pedals, hmm. including myself. And then um, there's like these synth pedals and these wop. And I was like, why am I buying like all these pedals that are trying to emulate synthesizers when I could just spend the money that I'm spending on the guitar pedals and get the real thing? Yeah. So like on your upcoming album, mm-hmm. how much of it is like actual analog synthesizer stuff? most of it yeah i would say so i do most of like the production yeah so what we'll do is jess will play a midi you're doing a midi podcast coming up mm-hmm. yeah midi like, is the, like awesome i love it because you can record her performance uh, you can record a performance and it has a lot of feel to it i mean it's i think you can go from like zero to 128 for a parameter as far as like how hard you press it mm-hmm. and the timing so jess will record it and it sounds human and I can take that information and 
use it on a soft synth or an analog synthesizer. I can just try a bunch of different things. Oh. So I record the performance once, then I'll plug the computer into my like analog synthesizer, and then I can play with the sounds and get what I want. Or I could just put a soft synth, like a software synthesizer, in the actual computer. Instead of like you know looking for a sound and deciding okay we like this sound and then, and then I record it and then we decide later no we don't like that sound or this one note sounds weird and hmm. um, it makes it just a lot more efficient really yeah, yeah. it's great but I guess that's, answer, oh oh no that that's cool I didn't even think about like running MIDI through an analog yeah keyboard yeah or just, something you have the computer have the the information and then you can just plug it into whatever you want hmm. yeah. I've done that with guitar in a way because like sometimes I'll record a guitar straight in mm -hmm. and then later like when I borrowed my friend's amp which was really nice amp but like I'd never recorded with it before so mm -hmm. I didn't want to like lock in how it sounded because I was new to recording a live amp yeah. so mm -hmm. I just like then feed the pre-recorded guitar through the amp and then just oh. try it with a bunch of different mic settings. Yeah, that's what okay. Pete Johnson does. Yeah, he told me that too. Huh? I mean, you guys are clever. I, yeah, yeah I didn't even think of that. Idea. Yeah. Well, I just like, I my natural mode was recording guitar straight in, and then I tried yeah, to do like Ableton. Yeah, and, and try to do like effects in the computer, but it's never a hundred percent like the real amp sound. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, it, yeah. But I, I think I got distracted from your original question of how much is analog, how much is digital. So I would say the majority of it is analog. So I'll just like direct in, that's what's nice about synthesizers. I'll direct in like a sound and then I'll use like sprinkle digital effects on the top. I prefer digital effects versus analog effects. If I'm like, oh, there's not enough sub frequency, I'll just get a really plain sub sound from a soft synth and just put that in on its own it sounds just like atrocious you know but mm. if you mix it in hmm. that's kind cool. of fills it out and you were saying like you like the sparkly digital reverb and stuff oh too. yeah yeah hmm. i think it's bad to use all digital or all analog because if you use all analog it's so 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 overpowering you can't use anything else if you have an analog synth with like a real tape echo it's like that better be the only thing that you're putting on because I'm sure this because like, it'll get too muddy and stuff. Yeah, it just you. is so full, and I'm sure there's people out there who are a lot smarter than me who'd be like, "No, this guy's an idiot," and that's fine. <laughs> but then on the digital side too, I, I like so I listen to a lot of like electronic EDM, I guess, and they're like they stack like three or four synth sounds on top of each other because digital is just like really, really lacking that um, punch that analog has. Hmm. But um. I listen to it because they have they use, do a lot of like really cool unique effects and stuff like that, so that's why I like the digital effects because it's really easy to take a mono signal, make it stereo, and it doesn't like overpower. You can just you know put a little bit on. Mm -hmm. So like I took that '70s synthesizer up there and I put like two. I actually played for you if you want, but the '70s synth oh. synthesizer is the Arp Axe. I think it's worth mentioning what it is because it's really cool. Oh, nice. Um, so this is, this is just directed. So it's like really like boring, it almost sounds like a video game or whatever, but it's a really, it's a really like solid. And then I add, um, my special weapon here. And what that does is it makes it go back and forth and then 
float out with it, so. So those little digital effects really make it kind of like sparkle and shine through and stuff like that. I've had a couple of friends like, oh, I bought an analog synth and it just, I, I don't like how it sounds. And I'm like, just yeah, just tweak it a little bit. Yeah. So what are the lyrics for that one? What are those going to be? Um, well, we, it's all written. Um, I guess that song is about redemption. <laughs> yeah, this, um, is, a, this yeah. is like the song. So after they destroy everything, this is the song where things start to get better again. Yeah. Yeah. They go down to the river and like everything is green and growing again. And the water is also kind of like a symbolism, not like literally like baptism, but just like the idea that of being redeemed, like, oh, we did this terrible thing, but everything's going to be fine and yeah mm. we, we didn't ruin everything basically cool is there a way you guys could do like a singing demo of it yeah, yeah. like right now yeah i could i could bust it out i think let's try it out sure let's see how it sounds Ball, the vision of a bad dream You were smiling and sitting on a sunbeam mm-hmm. oh. Water came to <laughs> I forgot the lyrics there <laughs> That's alright And then I saw you drown I messed up Thank on you. the messed up on the lyrics. I always do that. Yeah. God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> uh, and you heard like jumps in the deep, right? Uh, you might not have. Yeah. The sound is. is that? What is? Tell me what you think the the beginning sound sounds like. This is a side note. Just so right. it sounds like something. I want to know what you think it sounds like. Like the low... The sound? Yeah. Uh, sounds like... Alright, can you play it again? Yeah. Just, I'm not, it's not like a trick question. I just want to... I want it to sound like what I want it to sound like. Sounds like kind of a beast groaning or something. Okay. Or, Jess. uh... <laughs> Jess is like a farm girl. She's like, is that a diesel tractor? And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I can see that. I uh, thought it was either that a beast growling or maybe like something going on the road. Yeah, yeah. dang it. Okay, like a, I gotta adjust that. <laughs> I want it to be like a beast growling, but just like, oh, it sounds like a diesel truck. I was like, oh, dang well, it. Well, what, what is that? What is that sound actually? It's supposed to be. Uh, it's 
the sound is beast growling. Is the actual sound? Are you it's like serious? A sample, but oh. It's like a. I mean, it's That's not fine. like obviously sampled from an actual animal. It's like it's I don't a, know if it is or not. Sound. Yeah, well, I, maybe it, I, I just found okay. it as a preset Never somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. I went to Africa and recorded a <laughs> elephant and a lion and crossed it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Just stuck with That's the impressive. lion. And you're still here to tell the tale. Still here to tell the tale. I'll write the song. Amazing. <laughs> Do you guys have any lyric writing advice other than like your idea you're talking about about like getting all the ideas out? And... I think that you know, to going back to like getting ideas out is just that you know, if you're a writer, you write. So you're not going to get anything done by sitting there and you know thinking of like. I don't or not doing anything basically. Yeah. Also, being collaborative has really helped us out a lot. Lyrics like is huge. almost all our lyrics are collaborative, yeah. and I definitely think having somebody to bounce ideas off of helps, so they're just not all bouncing around in your head. And mm-hmm. don't worry about making sense or being literal. Like, if it sounds good to you, yeah. then just go with it. Don't like force in an ugly word just because like make it beautiful. It's like the proper English term or whatever. For sure, that's something we've talked like, about. Like, bon- like Bonnie Vare's "For Emma Forever Go." Yeah, I was like reading the lyrics and like they don't to me. I'm like I don't these make no, no sense, but it sounds beautiful. So good Poetry, recorded, and I think yeah. that I read that he just was like, oh, I'm just gonna say words that sound good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, right, exactly, because you get people like, he's probably like, oh, I don't even know, and they're just like, oh, it's poetry. Yeah, yeah, because you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> that's what somebody's going to say about it. For sure. But his, or I was just going to say, like, the way he sings, too, you don't pay attention as much no, to the lyrics. No, you don't. Like, right. his falsetto. Yeah, you yeah. don't hear the words necessarily. Or even, you know, something now, I've been listening to, like, a lot of minimalist songs, and you don't need that many lyrics if you have a really good instrumentation, you can just have, like, a couple of lines mm-hmm. and sing them. I don't know, like, and this isn't minimalist, but, like, Swedish House Mafia or whatever. And maybe this is going into a really weird realm. But they have, like, one line, and they just use it for the whole song. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So What's the line? I want to know your name. Nice. Something, something, <laughs> just do that. That's the whole song. I feel like Daft Punk does that a lot, too, where yeah. they'll just have, like, a chorus or something that they'll use over and over again, then there'll be, like, instrumentation for a while, and, yeah. Yeah, because I think when I was first started writing, I was like, I need to be singing the whole time. Sure. And now I'm okay with, like, singing a few lines, letting the song kind of speak for itself, and singing a few more words. I don't feel that need to, like, fill up the space for, with singing. I feel like... um just on another note of picking words that sound good or whatever, um, something that we've paid attention to a lot more is how it actually sounds when you sing it, like how the syllables sound coming out of your mouth. Yeah. You know, we use a lot more, I feel like, softer L's. consonants. Yeah. Less a lot of L's. S's, as you can see, especially for me if I'm singing because my sibilance is so pronounced. Mm. Yeah, so... If it's a song that I'm singing, we'll specifically avoid S's. <laughs> At all costs. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just filtering it later. <laughs> well, we we will, but I mean, it's you just can't completely filter it out and have it still sound normal. Have oh, it still yeah. sound like how I sound when I sing. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, we're not like anti-S's, no. but I think having songs, like words with a lot of sibilance in it, sometimes are okay. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't think it's very... I try to stick to, like, Latin words, you know. Hmm. Um, and they're, they don't... Latin words 
like being. amen, like you know, alleluia, amen, domino, uh, just like all those syllables sound so great when you yeah, say them. Yeah, none yeah, of so them are like, super uh, hard. There's not a lot of k or t or s. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what when I was in choir, you sing a lot of Latin pieces, and it's just like ends, ms, b's, and stuff like that. Once and, again, there's probably somebody who like knows Latin and is like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The songs that we sang are like that. So I try to just do like really pure vowels if we can. If we can. And that, not that like for the right word or the, you know, a special meaning or something like that, we wouldn't, you know, sacrifice a little bit. So how about like music theory wise? Does that come into play mm. for you guys? Yeah. We started writing more simply as far as I think chord progressions go and things like that um, since we've gotten older. For me in college, like songwriting, uh, being a music major, songwriting was just like an experiment for me to like do as many different like modulations and special chords and things like that. Um, and it was it was cool. It was fun. And I'm glad that I have that knowledge because I think it, it opens up all the choices to you when you're like picking chords and stuff. But um, we've definitely been a lot more like... Um, Shoot, I can't think. What's the word when like you're just like in the scale? Diatonic. Diatonic, yeah. We have in, but instead of I think like something that instead of putting like the triad chord at the top, so three notes and then the root note, like mm-hmm. sometimes we'll put like an open fifth on the top and then put like the third in the bass. So just mm-hmm. trying to like. Yeah, as far as voicing chords. Yeah. We've, we've, yeah, especially been... like on a song like Drums in the Deep, all the chords at the beginning are like built-up chords, there's a lot of, like, seventh chords or, like, a chord with, like, a suspended second or fourth in it or something like that. Being a songwriter with somebody else who understands music theory is really helpful just because then we both know the lingo for for talking about it. And I find um, knowing music theory in general, when you're working with other musicians, is super, really super helpful. helpful. Like Dylan, who plays guitar with us, Dylan McFarling, like, he's a music major, so, like, right away, it's, you know, even when we're, like, learning songs, being able to, like, speak the lingo is like, yeah, it never goes to four, or something like that. It never goes to the four chord. It's just helpful because, like, things just move along faster in rehearsals and performances. Hmm. Do you I also get- like doing different modes. yeah. Like um, Dorian. Dorian in um, Gold Flame. There's some Dorian action. Gold Flame ascends, comes round again. A circle ends where it begins. Got the major four chord as opposed to the. And actually, both are in there. There's a minor four chord. Mm-hmm. In the, I know, right? This is, <laughs> hey, this is this the is most is interesting the part of the This is the <laughs> podcast. That you can say that stuff and not be shunned. Yeah, and if you are edited out, because you know. <laughs> and if you don't know it, I mean, I'm not. I wasn't like a music major. No. You can just YouTube different modes and learn a ton of stuff. And if you're a musician who's been playing a lot, you probably have a good ear, regardless of you. If you know, um, you know, if you're playing in C, you probably know if somebody's gone to G or F. But then it's just like putting the you know, the Roman numeral numbers along with it. And once you figure that out, um, yeah, I could see that being a smooth transition. For somebody who's been playing a long time, you probably already have a good ear. Mm-hmm. I guess for songwriting, I, I say play your, play your weakness, if this makes sense. So, like, for us, 
writing complex chord progressions wouldn't be hard. So I think that the tendency is to overdo it. Just like when yeah. I'm producing, like I'm doing all those crazy effects. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so if cut it down. And if you're somebody who writes more simply, you know, yeah, maybe, try to write more, to write more complex. If that, if that makes sense. And I think that you'll... And even like, this would be a good exercise, even if it was something you wouldn't want to do permanently, because it would, um, I don't know, yeah, it would stretch yourself, right? Mm-hmm. As a writer. So I think it's like for us, stripping down the chords and trying to figure out a way, how can we make a full chord sound with like the least amount of notes? Mm-hmm. It's been really good. Or how can we make a progression sound interesting only using um, diatonic di- chords? Yeah, diatonic chords. Mm. So. Yeah. And we've discovered the secret. What does it never go to five? No, start out, start out, don't like start out on a, on a minor two chord. or six. Yeah, start out, or yeah. Mm. They're hot tip. Nice. That's a, I mean, yeah, someone pointed out like, uh, I don't remember if it was maybe Katy Perry's firework. Yeah. That maybe never goes to a one. Oh. Or, or it's like a it's just Justin, yeah. Justin Bieber does that too with his, like, um, where are you now? Yeah. As diatonic, but he starts off on a minor, and I don't think he, I don't know if it does ever resolve it. And also, um, Zed. Yeah. Does that all the time. He's like a EDM producer. Hmm. A lot of his songs end up, they do like Nightcore versions. Oh, God, of it, I knew we were going to get to this. Well, we won't have to talk about it a lot, but Nightcore is when you take. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a genre that was made up by like, what was like some students from Sweden? Norway. Norway. I think. And um, you take like a pop song or whatever and you no see that's not what they did that's okay. what uh, that's what it morphed into okay well it has to be like fast it has to be like what is it like 140 to 160 yeah 140 to 160 beats per minute and usually the <laughs> vocals are like tuned up higher so it sounds like a little bit like a mickey Ma- or Minnie mouse effect or whatever oh. i don't know it's kind of just awesome. as obsessed with huh. yeah. nightcore and it's called nightcore yeah nightcore. First, huh yeah. why is it called nightcore that's what the so these Norwegian kids like they like did these songs that were and they 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 wrote original songs okay and it was pitched up mm-hmm. and then people just discovered hey if we take like Zed songs yeah. and just speed them up it sounds exactly like Nightcore <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> so it's kind of the opposite of vaporwave the new Vape. the new craze what's um, vaporwave like, vapor is dead man oh is it haven't you okay, heard okay well I'm I'm way behind the times <laughs> I must be too what, so what's vaporwave. <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, it's true. Well, okay, we can get into it. If like, you want to, you can watch a YouTube video by this. Just look up Vaporwave, and it's like Frankie J does a whole video on Vaporwave. It's essentially like, you know, the songs that they where they have the mat, they have like the window startup. Yes. And they like turn the window startup into a song. Yeah. It's like Plunder Phonics kind of. They like sample mm-hmm. nostalgic stuff from the the eighties. They'll yeah. take like. A Japanese '80s elevator music, and then sl- like stretch it out and add all these crazy effects to it. Yeah, that's yeah. vaporwave. I guess, or like yeah. pop songs. I think like, I guess you could call maybe the Portlandia theme. Vapor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Portlandia theme is just like a pop song slowed down oh, from okay. this '80s or '70s yeah, so there or you something. Go, and, wave. Or you yeah. take like a dun, 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 like maybe like something that, like the intro to like a old sitcom mm-hmm. and then i don't know do something with that yeah there you go I, th- yeah vapor. apparently i'm gonna be maybe commissioned to write a film score that's like vaporwave style <laughs> so oh. i have to, oh, I have to dude, do some you more need research this, you need this thing the omnicord 
Yeah. Okay. Well, is it time for your uh, your composer quest theme? Do people normally like practice this ahead of time? Because um, no, I sometimes just edit out a little bit. Oh. <laughs> so let me, let me get my camera because this would be really fun. Just like, but just go through like all the chords. <laughs> so t describe what the Somni chord is. Oh, um, it you is. You called it the gray pork chop. Gray pork chop. It's shaped like a gray pork chop. Oh yeah, I like that. Ooh, cool drum beat. Um, yeah. Stop. Okay, it's a electronic auto harp. Um, Do you know what an auto harp is? Yeah. So June, but, sort of. Yeah, yeah, like, like June Cash you. played one. Um, Maya could probably bring one home from you. She would, and she's a general music teacher, and they use them a lot in like general music classrooms. Usually, everybody oh, yeah. has one. So it's just like you just you press. It's like got all these strings, and you have to tune each string, and then you press a chord, and it like mutes some strings, and other ones it doesn't. And so like you you press G, and it mutes all the strings except for the ones that would sound like a G chord, and then you play it with your finger. So electronic Sweet. auto harp. And I got it from my grandma. Yeah. She did not want to give it to us. Oh, no. <laughs> she had <laughs> she used it, it for, like, years. No, I told her. I'm like, oh, man. I was like, people actually like, sell these on eBay for a decent chunk of change. And she's like, oh, I should sell it on eBay. I'm like, Grandma, no. you're not going to sell it <laughs> You're not going to sell it on eBay. <laughs> and then now, like, it's, it's becoming, like, uh, like, a kitsch, like, gear. So, you know, 
Flight of the Concords. Like, their new poster for their concert series is them both holding Omnicords. Oh, nice. And actually, this is the OM8 model. OM84. Um, and this is one of the ones that they're holding. Hmm. So, I love the Omnicord. We don't play with it often enough. I'm glad we <laughs> played with it today. Yeah. Alright, so we, we've come to the point in the interview when I ask a question from the past guest for you guys. So... Brian Chuan asked, what is your favorite instrument to compose for? And if you could compose for any number of them, what would you pick? I'll go first. Go for it. My favorite instrument to compose for, probably the only instrument that I could compose for with any sort of ability would be male voice. And I would compose... Um, Four. Four singers. Four singers, mm -hmm. yes. Mm. Standard, like, bass, baritone, tenor, something? or Probably bar bass, baritone, tenor, lead. Mm, okay. So you have a lead singer, and then you have three people and like, behind if, them. If it was barbershop, isn't the lead, like, <clears throat> actually not tenor the two. highest? Yeah, or? tenor two. Okay. The lead. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do barbershop. I would probably do, like, gospel. Hmm. Mm. Cool. So, Jess? Um, I would choose the flute, and mm. I do, um, I do a flute choir, and I don't know what the standard instrumentation for that would be, but um, I'd imagine like doing like a four-part like flute choir piece, something like that. Cool. Would be fun. So, do you guys have a question for the next guest? I have one. I thought of one. You go, then. If you could compose the music to any book or movie or comic book, not Marvel or DC, like superheroes, I don't want to hear that, um, what would you compose for? Which, which book or movie would you compose for? I'd especially like to hear a book. Yeah, okay. Edit that. If you could compose for any book, mm -hmm. what book would you compose for? Yeah, I like that. It's a good cool. one. Cool. Mm -hmm. And if the next person doesn't read books, you should read books. <laughs> mm -hmm. The more you know. Yep. The more Dude. you know. <laughs> Is that the melody for that? I don't think so. I just couldn't remember. Oh, I know the that more they... you know. Isn't that like... I don't, think I... There, it's, I don't think there's a... It's not like words. It's just... Yeah. Right? Isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. well, my friends and I always say it. And we always say... Ding, 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 ding. Or... That's how I think of it in my head. Yeah. Maybe I think that's... It's like a... Yeah. It's a tonal melody. But it's not like the more you... It's just like... Dum, 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 and then the star with the more you know. Is that, maybe it's on like a certain like TV network. And then that's the like the TV network thing. Like, you know, like oh. NBC or something like that. Bum, 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 bum. I feel like that's another... No, that's something specific. Isn't that like Dell? Bum, 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 bum. Oh, yeah. yeah. Intel inside yeah, or something? Or something yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay, then I'm... Boom, boom. Oh. you know. Maybe it's from <laughs> NBC. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Jingle oh, writing. This whole time. Man, All right, if you could interview a jingle writer, like, that would be so... Ooh. I mean, Bye, <laughs> I should find someone for the, the world tour. When I'm on tour, I will 
trying to find a or like a if you could like check like that yeah. like millimarine 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 but some other times said for less and millimarine that's a great jingle that's an awesome yeah, I love jingle. that one <laughs> what what is that one for millimarine millimarine oh. maybe it's like a central Jess is the thing. like the queen of jingles yeah like I know like every jingle I've ever heard I hear it like twice and they're like get stuck in my head sing the mountain do one um. Um, drink Mountain Dew and you'll discover a drink that quenches like no other. Do, 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 do. It goes down easy too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what? I've never heard this. The Mountain Dew. Yeah, I missed some of the words. Sorry about that. Do you have like a super memory? No. Super only, musical only, memory? <laughs> only for jingles. <laughs> oh. Only, only for jingles. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, Redco, the truck accessory store. I like that one too. Yeah, Radco, right. not Redco. Um, or like the double mint song. Like everyone remembers that one. Like double your pleasure mint, your merry mint, double your moment of fun, double the your delight mint with the right mint for refreshment. It's the only one. <laughs> Keep going. That's more. <laughs> double your sentiment. That's the statement of the great mint and double mint gum. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I've never heard anyone sing the entire thing. Yeah. I didn't even know there's more to that. Mm-hmm. That's great. But yeah. the greatest jingle yes. of all time is the wait, Schlitterbahn. Wait. Oh, shit, I was going to say we can say that three. Okay. There's this park in Texas called yeah. Schlitterbahn. Yeah. Oh, my God. That jingle is next level. It is. How does it start? We're going to Schlitterbahn. Well, it's the hottest, coolest place in Texas. We're going to Schlitterbahn. Well, it's the hottest, coolest place in Texas. And maybe one verse. There's nothing like that feeling of free fall. Splash into the deep blue. Just, just like, like a waterfall. Nowhere in the world can be better than this. To replace <laughs> 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 the whole family <laughs> in an ocean of bliss. And Schlitterbahn. <laughs> There's two verses. And she knows both the verses. And we only lived in Texas for a little time. <laughs> that one and they played this on, like, on as a commercial? Yeah, on radio. <laughs> it's so good. It's really Dude, good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like crying over there. I was, trying, I was trying not to look at you so I could finish the jingle. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it, was, it wasn't meant to finish. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's a skill I like to share with everybody. Sure. Yeah. yeah just my memory of jingles or whatever. I should, maybe I should get into writing jingles. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, you gotta uh, start with the Composer Quest theme. I think. That's true, yeah. It's kind of jingly. It is kind of jingly. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome talking to you guys. Yeah. We've been talking about this interview for like, I don't know. Years. Two years, years at least. We three finally years. Have it. For sure. Yeah. I thought maybe that we were, we were, we were too small fish. You didn't make the, the cut? We didn't what? make the no. cut. I mean, like no. Interviewing get... Grammy, uh, uh, Grammy winning artists and... Uh-huh famous authors man yeah for sure well it's fun just like interviewing friends for sure so well we appreciate it and you guys are future grammy winning artists right oh man that'd be great there you go (laughs) sure why not they got the charlie mccarran bump that's right that's (laughs) right all right well thanks guys and good luck with the album thank you Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Peter Lund and Jess Scherer. 
For more of their music, visit stripesonstripes.bandcamp.com. And to stay posted on their new album, you can find Stripes on Stripes on Facebook or Twitter. If you want to get in touch with me, email me, charlie at composerquest.com, or find ComposerQuest on Facebook or Twitter. And make sure to check out the Kickstarter World Tour campaign at ComposerQuest.com slash Kickstarter. Thanks. Now, it's time for another... If you've been listening to Composer Quest recently, you know we have a MIDI remix quest going on right now. Listeners have created new MIDI compositions, and I sent these MIDI files randomly to other participants to remix. Since the remixers have no indication of what instruments were intended, they're having to make their own creative guesses at instruments that'll sound good with these MIDI files. So for this production lesson, I thought I'd share my process in making a MIDI composition for this challenge. There's only one person who is not allowed to listen to this, and that's Dan Wheeler. Dan is currently remixing my track, and I don't want to spoil the surprise for him. So Dan, if you're listening, stop, and wait till you're done with your remix. Alright, so where did I begin with this composition? Well, I started as I often do for my video game tracks, by playing a keyboard arpeggio as a simple looping backdrop. In my interview with Jess and Peter, they talked about the importance of just getting words down on a page when you're trying to write lyrics. And I guess this is kind of the instrumental equivalent. By creating a looping backdrop, even if it's boring, you'll at least have some material to spark more interesting melodies. Here's the melody I came up with for this track, using an instrument with very heavy tremolo. And here's the bass part I came up with. For the next part of the song, I decided to gradually ramp up the tempo to get to a slightly speedier section. thinking about what would make this mini composition fun for my remixer, I immediately thought counterpoint. If you don't know what counterpoint is, it's kind of like adding layers that have unique rhythm and melody, and the layers interweave in interesting ways. This style started to become popular during the Renaissance, and then Bach took it to a crazy new level during the Baroque era. But I kind of think of early video game music as a revival of counterpoint. Because in the beginning, game composers had to be really clever about creating interesting musical layers with their limited number of sound channels. This limitation is what spawned some of the most famous melodies, counter-melodies, and bass parts from games, which often have syncopated, interlocking rhythms. So as I was coming up with new layers for my composition, I tried to play on beats that didn't contain notes yet. This was especially helpful when I was making the bass part for the second half which I left until all the other layers were in place. 
I was making this track, I used a recording technique I hadn't ever used before. I knew I wanted the melody line to escalate to a fast, guitar solo shred type of thing, but my keyboard chops aren't that great. So I tried slowing down the tempo while I was recording, and then I sped it back up. That's one of the big advantages of MIDI, is that you can make tempo changes really easily. I'm not sure if this slow recording technique is really that good of an idea, because it almost seems unnaturally fast when I put it back to the regular tempo. But it's another tool for the toolbox. One last thing to point out, I noticed that as I was recording this track, it really reminded me of Sega Genesis music. I never owned a Genesis, but I played a lot of Sonic at my friends' houses. And for some reason, the sounds I was using were bringing me back to my childhood. So partway through, I decided to embrace this Sega concept, and that's what inspired me to create glissandos in the main melody, the funky syncopated bass, and the twinkly bell sounds. I'll leave you with the full track, which I'm calling Genesis and see if you can pick out any other elements that might be adding to the Sega flavor. Before I go, I want to remind you that you can find all of my production lessons as their own sub-podcast if you just search for Charlie's Music Production Lessons. And tune in to Composer Quest episode 150 next week for the reveal of all of the MIDI compositions and remixes from listeners. Now, here's Genesis. Genesis.